This is a presentation of the Trine Broadcasting Network, part of the Center for Sports Studies at Trine University. Learn more at trine.edu. You're listening to The Assist with Trevor Hart. All right, welcome back. Uh, it's been kind of a rough week for me, honestly. You know, being a Purdue fan, two, uh, two games that are uh, not really going our way this week, so that's great. We got IU on Saturday, so it'll be interesting to see how that goes in Mackey. But two buzzer beaters, like, right in a row. And it's, like, what, our fourth loss of the year to on a buzzer beater. It's just um, not a great time to be a Purdue fan right now, especially going into March, um, knowing that they're not going to really do that great in March. I mean, let's be honest. If you're a Purdue fan, you got to be a realist at some points. And... Um, yeah, just uh, not going to be a great finish this season, I believe. It was even one of those things where, like, back in 2019, when Carson Edwards went off against Virginia and all that, that whole season came down to the brackets. People were asking me, how far do you have Purdue going? I had them losing Tennessee. And they are like, really? You don't have them like, going to Final Four? I'm like, no, dude, I'm a realist because the year before, we were at a Thanksgiving tournament. I think it was in Maui. And we got bounced by Tennessee by, like, 20 points. And that was with Isaac Haas, Dakota Mathias, Vince Edwards, and P.J. Thompson. And I'm like, yeah, no, we're, gonna, we're not going to win that game. And, of course, they do. Ryan Klein saved it. And that was a, that was a great run. I loved it. But um, my bracket did not. So, anyway, it has been a kind of a bad week for me as a Purdue fan. But I do have spring break coming up. So, that's going to be exciting. Um so there's going to be no episode next week because I just won't be able to record and then get right back to it in a couple weeks' time. So what I want to talk about today, I didn't really know exactly what to talk about until yesterday I see all over Twitter. It was the anniversary of Wilt scoring 100 points in the game. I was like, okay, that'll get me like, 10 minutes or so, depending on how much I can find on it. I was like, I need something else. And then I'm scrolling through Twitter, and I see uh, today, March 3rd, Kevin McHale scored 56 points, and I know the story behind that. I was like, okay, I got an episode. So we're going to start out with Wilt scoring 100 points in that game. We're going to go over that, and then I'm going to tell you the story about uh, one of the most – Insane stories you've ever hear. Of course, the Larry Bird story involves. So that's all coming up with this week. Let's go ahead and jump into it. So if you go to the, if you just look up this day in basketball history, basketball reference always comes up and it'll give you the date. So March 2nd, quite a bit happened. I mean, obviously, the one that sticks out, there's for Friday, March 2nd, 1962, there is one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven different records on this day. But also, I notice March 2nd, 2008, Kobe Bryant scored 52 points over the Mavericks in a four point win. So, 
I'm assuming that was when Kobe did all his late game heroics as he always did. But um, 1962. So one of them, Guy Rogers of the Philadelphia Warriors dished out 20 assists in which, yeah, it makes sense. I mean, Wilt scores 100 points. Got to get some assists up, right? 20 is crazy. And then, obviously, Wilt Chamberlain scored 100 points in a 169-147 win over the New York Knicks. And this is the eighth highest scoring game in NBA history between the two teams. And it's just, uh, Wilt set so many, had so many significant stats pop out. And so obviously scored 100 points. We've all seen the picture. And it's one of those things where you just kind of have to believe it because no one was really at the game to like, there, like there was no cameras there. I think there was, if there was, there was like one person and they were just doing play like different plays. They weren't recording the whole thing. And, um, there was only like one radio broadcast going on at that point. There was only, there wasn't even that many people in the stands. And it's just, it's so weird because I had this thought and it may turn to its own episode at one point. I just don't know. It'd be something to where I'd have to ask someone each time because just me talking about it would probably get boring. But um, I just thought if you could go back any point in time in basketball history, like where would you go? Wilt's 100-point game is up there just because no one has really seen it. And like very few people... I mean, obviously some people talk about it where it's like, oh, yeah, Wilt scored 100 in a game. But you don't really have, like, eyewitness accounts for it. There was a video I was posted on Twitter about it. It was, like, four minutes long. And it's just... It's just no one, like, really knew what happened, right? All we have is stats to really go by. And so... In that he... Had the most field goals in a game with 36. I'm actually going to pull up the stat line. So I'll have that ready. Most field goals in a game with 36. Um, Most field goal attempts with 63. Goodness, he shot 63 times. Um, Most free throws in a game with 28. Uh, Most field goals in a half at 22. Most... Most points in a game with 100. Most field goal attempts in a half with 37. Most field goal attempts in a quarter with 21. And then most points in a half at 59. And general 100 points. And here's the other thing. Like, they just didn't keep up with that many stats. So, like, there was no... No one tracked offensive or defensive rebounds. It was just rebounds. Had 25 rebounds. He had two assists, which there's still a ton. I mean, obviously, it's the eighth highest scoring game of all time, but, like, Al Adels had 17. Tom Macheri had 16. Paul Arizon had 16. This team was stacked. Guy Rogers had finished with 11. Like, if I remember... Remember, right? Like, Guy Rogers, I believe, is in the Hall of Fame. Yep, he is. Uh, Al Adels 
should be in the Hall of Fame. He has to, yeah, he's in the Hall of Fame. Arizon, he was a NBA 75 team member. If he's not in the Hall of Fame, I don't know what is up with that, but he is. You know, he played with the Warriors, and then, yeah, just nothing about the Warriors. That team is stacked, and playing against a team where really the only player I've heard of for the Knicks is Daryl Imhoff. And why I've heard of him, I don't know. He's a one-time All-Star. He played with the Knicks, the Pistons, the Lakers, the Sixers, the Royals, and the Blazers. Again, why I know him, no idea. That's just, that's my brain for you. You hear one a guy's name one time, and there's an incredible scoring for Oh, Richie Guerin, I've heard of him. He had 39 for the Knicks. He's a Hall of Famer. Uh, Willie Knowles had 31. Cleveland Buckner had 33. And he shot 100%. Oh, free throw line. Never mind. He shot 60% from the f- 61% from the field. Wilt shot 57%. <laughs> Al Adels shot 100% from the field and from the line. Why don't people talk about that? Al Adels, 17 points, made all eight shots and all, all and he only shot one free throw, but still. Not a lot of guys miss free throws. Like, even Will, he shot 87% in this game, 28 of 32. Guy Rogers at 75%, 9 for 12. Some, only one person on the Warriors at zero, and he went 0 for 2. So shout out Joe Rucklick. That will, um, that should be remembered. He played 114 games in three seasons. He went to Northwestern. So shout out the Big Ten. But, man, Will was just another, he's a different animal, right? He's just one of those things where, Him and Russell, I would say, changed the game to an extent until Bird and Magic came in. They blew the doors off. But the rivalry between Will and all the other centers, like him and Kareem had, like, serious beef. Like, even Kareem, he would, like, hang out with Will Chamberlain when he was younger and all that. And it's just one of those things where... I think Wilt would be looked upon better if he didn't just run from place to place. So, like, I mean, he played for the Warriors, both in Philadelphia and San Francisco. Then he goes back to the 70, he goes back to Philadelphia to be with the 76ers, and then goes to the Lakers. But I think a lot of people, they, uh, trip up on Will is that he, I think he like left Kansas to go to the uh, Harlem Globetrotters. Yeah, he only played two years at Kansas, which is unheard of at that point. Usually you're playing three years in those days. And even his Kansas stats are ridiculous. <laughs> his sophomore year. He, well, he aver- for his career, he averaged 29.9 points and 18.3 rebounds. But I think Will, he's just one of those guys where he's not really looked upon 
greatly. Everyone recognizes, yeah, he's a legend and all that. But there's like so many stories that you hear about him when he's in public and all that that aren't very flattering. Like how like how many women he has been with and stuff like that. If you don't know the number, if you're thinking of a number, it's like ten times what you're thinking. I guarantee that. And it's just I mean, he has the accolades, thirteen time all star, seven time scoring champ, eleven time rebounding champ. He is an assist champ, two-time NBA champion. But it's just, I don't think that many people like really cared that much for Will until he died. Maybe I'm wrong on that. I don't know. But it's like, I know he doesn't get talked about enough in this generation. And is it because of the competition around him? We'll never know. But... Him going up against Will, I mean, not Will, going up against Bill Russell uh, all the time had to just get so annoying. And there's at some points where, I think it was in Russell's final championship with the Celtics, like, Will gets hurt for, like, a, he gets hurt, he has to sit on the bench for a couple minutes, and then he tells uh, Butch Van Bredikoff, hey, I'm ready to go, and he just doesn't put him in. And people are like, what are you doing? You have Wilt Chamberlain, what are you Going up against like a 40-year-old Bill Russell, why aren't you putting him in? And he just didn't, and then they would end up losing that series. And that's something where people think, why wouldn't he put him in? Like, is he just doesn't have enough faith in him? Is he just against Will? We don't know. But, yeah, one of those things, and this is why I love basketball reference, I just love being able to go back and look at all the different stats from it. it. Even like tells you games of significance. Like this says, Wilt's one hundred point game. You can go to previous game for the Warriors or the Knicks or the next game, see what happened. And a hundred points, we'll never see it again. You're telling me that. The closest we've ever got is Kobe at 81. And that was one of the most dominating games ever. And he was still 19 points off. And again, it's one of those things where if people were to think that Will maybe didn't score 100, I'm not going to say I would totally disagree. But I do think it's one of those things where it is looked at as almost with a kind of a smirk, like, yeah, sure, he scored 100. All right, so March 3rd, 1985 is the year, is the day, and Kevin McHale scored 56 points in a 138-129 win over the Detroit Pistons. Looking at the box score, Isaiah Thomas had 33, Bill Ambier had 21, Terry Tyler had 11. I've seriously never heard of this guy, and he was a starter. Played 800 games. He was an all-rookie in 78-79. But um, Vinny Johnson, the microwave, had 19 all- the microwave had 19 off the bench. I mean, what are you going to do? It's Vinny Johnson. 
Earl Curtin had 13 and Tony Campbell had 13 off the bench for the Pistons. And then you go to the Celtics. His team was so starter heavy because Larry Bird at 30. Dennis Johnson, I mean, he had eight. Robert Parrish had 20. Danny Ainge had 14. Kevin McHale finished with 56. And... And then for their bench, Scott Webman had three, Ray Williams had five, Quinn Buckner had two. So, yeah, really uh, really front-loaded for those Celtics. And the, the story I want to tell about this is that um, if you've – I believe it's in the Celtics-Lakers documentary. If it's not, then it's somewhere out there on YouTube. I had to have learned it from somewhere. But um, so Kevin McHale, he subs himself out when he he's at 56. He tells the coach, who I believe that was, was that Casey, yeah, Casey Jones, he's like, yeah, I'm good. You can just take me out. So he leaves at 56. He tolls 41 minutes, and Larry Bird tells Kevin McHale, "What are you doing? Why stay in there? Try to get 60." And, you know, Kevin McHale, he's like one of the, he's nicer. We'll say that. I mean, there's some stories out there. Kevin McHale, he wasn't really too nice on the court. But, yeah, he was like, yeah, it's all right. Um, so, um, Larry Bird's like, you should have stayed in going for 60 because I'm going to get 60 here pretty soon. And, uh, yeah, what do, you th- what do you know? March 12th, nine days later, Kevin McHale had a record. Right, so it was a franchise-setting record at that point in all Celtics history up to that point. Fifty-six points was the mark. Kevin McHale. Nine days later, Larry Bird and the Celtics they go to Atlanta. Larry Bird has sixty, <laughs> so I mean he kept his word. And man, that was uh, Dominique had twenty thirty-six. Eddie Johnson had twenty-six for the Hawks. Can we just talk about Dominique is so underrated because of he always ran to the Celtics. Go look at all of Dominique's games against the Celtics. Him and Bird are neck and neck all the time. And I'm I'm actually here's what I'm gonna do. I'm gonna get all my homework done for today, and I'm gonna just gonna watch. I'm gonna see if I can find a game, Dominique versus Larry, because they were so fun to look at. It was like guys of, I want to say like two different games, but at the same time, I mean, like Dominique, I mean, he could kind of shoot a little bit. I'm not giving him the benefit of the doubt. I mean, you'd shoot a little. And of course, Larry, I mean, Larry just shoots. Well, Dominique, one of the greatest dunkers ever, he just. Always comes in, just, and it was always against the Celtics. He was so good against the Celtics. I don't know why, but it was just, he was always great against them. So, Larry finishes with 60, right? And everyone is guarding him. I'll go down to roster. I guarantee the, all these people guarded him. Dominique guarded him. Eddie Johnson probably did. Kevin Willis, Antoine Carr, Randy Whitman. Uh, Doc Rivers, Scott Hastings, Ricky Brown, Cliff Levingston. I guarantee 
most, if not all, took a crack at guarding Larry. And Larry just, he couldn't be stopped. And he was in shots where Larry would do this occasionally, but this is like the most famous example. He would call out his shots. And he said at one point, he's like, uh, fade away into the trainer's lap because he was right in front of the Hawks bench. He goes, fade away into the trainer's lap and hits a three, fade away, right, and he falls into the trainer and, like, kneels right in front of him, just puts his puts his head on the trainer's knee, and the Hawks bench goes crazy. Like, they're celebrating it. Like, think of how crazy that is. Like, you'll have teams where someone's doing really good against them and the other team's going, like, oh, man, that was good. But to ha- they were, like, jumping and high-fiving each other insane there's just no other way to put it it's just the most insane thing and how Kevin McHale held a record for nine days maybe not even that with the whole depending on what time the game ended and started and all that maybe eight days this wasn't even in Atlanta it was in New Orleans I don't know what that was about March 12, 1985 but Goodness. Larry Bird, 22 of 36, shoots 61% from the field. And just, and he, went, he only shot four threes, one for, one for four. So I think that one three that he hit into the trainer's lap, that was the only one he hit. 15 to 16 free throw. Four offensive rebounds. Three assists, well, three turnovers. So he's at a one for an assist turnover ratio. And just crazy. There's just no other way to put it. Larry Bird, Larry, I, this has to be where Larry Legend came from. If not, it really bolsters it. Because just watch it. There's a, there's like a there's a video on YouTube. I think NBA. It's on NBA's YouTube channel. It's just Larry Bird Ultimate Mix, something like that. And oh man, I just watch that. Like I swear, I watch it like once a month at least. And it's just the crazy stuff you ever see. The pass fakes, the behind the backboard shot. Just all in all this, it just cuts in all the stories of players of just being like, there's one play where Larry Bird hits a shot, but before he gets off, uh, Casey Jones calls a timeout. And he's telling, he's like, why'd you call a timeout, man? I, I had it. So, and I think it was, it might've been against the Suns. No, this is against the Suns. I forget who he tells, but he goes, Maybe it was like, uh, I don't know, not Cedric Sabalos. I forget who he tells, but he tells him, I'm going to hit the same shot. And so He's like, you might want to come up. He's like, hey, you, you might want to come up and guard me because I'm just going to hit that same shot I just did, and I'm, we're going to go home. And, like, he get, the guy looks at him like, he starts laughing like, come on, man. And that's exactly what he does. And there's another where he was in Seattle – and he tells Xavier McDaniel, like, um, it's again, it's a late shot clock, so late 
game situation, going for the win, and Larry's just telling him, it's like, uh, hey, uh, here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to get this. I'm going to get the inbound ball. I'm going to take one dribble, shoot, shoot an elbow jumper, and we're going to win. And he does exactly that, and he looks at the clock and goes, man, I didn't leave you enough time to, to shoot. My bad. <laughs> Stuff like that. Larry Legend is just all the stories on him is just ridiculous. And they're all like somewhere they're all, they all come from other players. Like it's never one of those things where it's Larry telling them, Oh, Hey, this is what happened. Like that three point contest. He walks in. Who's going, who's shooting for second. And he doesn't even take his warm up off. And he knows that last ball is going in, puts up the number one finger, goes get that giant check. And it's just, I could talk about Larry Bird for hours. I swear I could. But just remember, even to his own teammates, Larry is a savage. Just because he told he told Kevin McHale, hey, you, you should have stayed in and gone for 60 because I'm going to get 60 here pretty soon. And nine days later, it's exactly what happens. And with that, I believe that is it for this week's episode. I want to thank you for listening. Just um, always remember, Larry Bird is a savage. Just know our way to put it. Um, yeah, that's it for this week. Uh, no episode next week because of spring break. Uh, hope everyone will enjoy the break. I know that I will. So, um, yeah, that's that's all. Just follow me on Twitter, at DEverhart00. We will talk to you in two weeks. Thanks for listening, guys. Thanks for listening to this presentation of the Trine Broadcasting Network, part of the Center for Sports Studies at Trine University. Learn more at trine.edu.